Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. In 1987, God rescued me. I was lost in addiction. People were telling her to divorce me. Came to know Christ personally. We ended up at this church in 1988-89. 1990, we started serving middle school students here. And we started serving with the high school students here. Then from there, uh, and that's about the time I met Pastor Justin as he came in as the, the leader of middle school ministry. And then from there, as we served high schoolers, that went on for about a decade. And then... Um, I got the call from Pastor Justin. I had been praying, Lord, if you ever want me in full-time ministry, you're going to have to have the phone ring because I don't think we can I think we can pull off seminary right now. We've got three little girls. So the phone rang. November of 2000, got asked to come and, and be an administrator here at Salem Heights Church. From there, uh, Lori and I, as we continued to serve middle school students with Aaron Green and his wife and many others... And Justin was the youth pastor. We began to, you know, expand that. And then Aaron and I started talking about starting a college-age ministry here. And we started a college-age ministry here. And then from there, because we had a bunch of college students, we decided, well, we got all these young adults. They're out, they're out lasting college-age. We had to start a careers-age ministry, or 20 and 30s, like a singles, something that keeps them in the word. So we did that. And then as that unfolded, and those days unfolded, I got to the privilege of, of pastoring the men here. And now as that baton has been handed to Joe Greenwood, and I'm super thankful for Joe as our administrator, but also I'm going to tell you right now, he's the right man. In 2012, we decided we needed to start a victory over addiction group here, the most excellent way. Pastor Justin had brought me the manual back from Jacksonville at a, a pastor's conference. He brought me this manual, and I was looking at it, and I went, this is right. This is right. It's not, it's not I'm an addict the rest of my life, and I have this incurable disease. Jesus needed me to yield to him and surrender everything to him. And he radically changed my life. This is the right ministry. So we started the most excellent way in 2012. And thank you. (laughs) And so then in that, as that has been unfolding, what, what ended up happening is Judy, a little old lady that was, you know, they had started the most excellent way as a national ministry in 1986. Glenn had passed away. Judy was basically doing everything out of her home in LA. And she called and said, I need to hand off the ministry. And we want to hand it off to y'all. And so, flew down to L.A., she signed off on that. And now the most excellent way international is here at Salem Heights Church. And I take you down that timeline to go, there is no stinking way I should be up in front of y'all right now. (laughs) God does truly work all things together for good. For those who love him, called according to his purpose. And we can get in the middle of these circumstances where we're disillusioned, we're, we're struggling. We just don't know, God, why? I don't understand this. I I bring you down that trail to say this Thursday night, uh, the 10th, at 6.30 p.m., we will be in the chapel doing a workshop for you all, if you would like to come, on how we do the most excellent way, why we do the most excellent way, what happens there. This This is for you if you have a loved one that's struggling in addiction to come and check out what we're doing. It's for you if you come out of addiction and you come to that realization, God changed my heart. He transformed me. I want to help people come out of that same darkness. This is for you to come and check that out. This is for you to just come check it out. You know, what I don't want anybody to do is go, gosh, I don't want to go to that workshop because if I come into the workshop, people are going to think I'm an addict. You know that people have pride like that? Have you ever noticed that? 
That's not what this evening is. And by the way, uh, if you are struggling in addiction, it would be a great night for you to come check some things out. But you know what? You can come on Monday nights and just come join us. I want to invite you all to that because there is, when we sit here and listen to Robert Morgan last week, share the word, and he's taking us to God does work all things together for good for those who love him, called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, right? Did you notice he didn't just use that? He backed us up into 26, and he says, as we're groaning, and as we're suffering, and as we're hurting, the spirit of God is taking those groanings to the Father for us. Then it says, And God works all things together for good for those who love him, called according to his purpose. We're going to look at Mary, Mary of Bethany today, but I want to give you a little illustration of how God works things together for good. Because right now in this room, there are those hurting over lost loved ones. God keeps populating heaven and it's really hard on us. So I want to say thank you to y'all that that have been praying for Lori and I and for our mother-in-law, Lori Goddard, right? Two Lori's. It's just like the Bible, all kinds of Mary's, all kinds of Lori's in my life. But the bottom line is, thank you for praying for us as Lori's grandfather passed away. And then two days before his service, Lori's foster brother died of a sudden aneurysm. So her mom lost her foster son of 18 years two days prior to doing her dad's celebration life service. Grieving's real, huh? And I think back to, oh, I forgot. I was the Iwana commander here for one year. <laughs> Best year of my life. Love that so much. <laughs> and Mary, your husband, when you were both right there with me. And many of you were right there. I, I, I think back over time, and you know the tough thing about getting older is, if you live long enough, you lose people to heaven that you really love here. So I thank you for your prayers. It, it's a big deal. May of 2018, I got a phone call from Darren Milionis from Corbin College. He called me on a Thursday afternoon. He said, Matt, would you ever do a service for somebody you weren't sure was saved? As a matter of fact, Matt, I don't know that he was. I went, yeah, I would. I would do that. I'd share the gospel, but yeah, I'd do that. And he goes, well, my neighbor is in kind of a tough situation. You know, it's Thursday, Monday at 11, he's got a graveside service and he needs somebody to do it. So I thought of you. I was wondering if you'd do it. I go, well, what's your neighbor's name? Well, his name's Chris Butts. And he lives right next to me. I've known him for a lot of years. He's just hurting over his dad passing and he needs somebody to do the service. I go, Chris Butts? I played football with Chris Butts. He and I ran around together when I wasn't saved. Chris Butts, I know him. I said, you give Chris, you give Chris uh, my phone number and have him call me. And will you give me Chris's number? And if he doesn't call me, I'll call him. Well, later that afternoon, Chris called me. And this is exactly what he said. Matt, Something must have changed in your life if you're a pastor. <laughs> yep. So we decided to meet with him and his, his mom, Sally, who is in a nursing facility out in Kaiser at 5 p.m. on Sunday. And I wanted to hear whatever it is they needed me and wanted me to share about Larry. And his son was there also. Chris's son was there also. And we're sharing and they're sharing. And I'm writing stuff down and I'm writing everything. Jesus never came up. Belief in Christ never came up. But we're writing it all out. I'm writing it all out. And then after we got done writing it all out, I said, Chris, you asked me a question the other day. You said something must have changed. I said, can I share with y'all in this room what changed? So I shared my testimony and I shared the gospel. Now, Sally was laying in her nursing bed the whole time until I shared the gospel. I started sharing about that. She sat up, swung her legs around and looked at me like this. I'm like, Sally? He used to wonder about this. Larry used to wonder about this. He did. I said, well, you know, I was going to ask you, 
It's always been on my heart that whenever I do a celebration life service or a funeral, if I can get a hold of somebody's Bible, was there a Bible in the house? Do you guys have a Bible? And Chris goes, I've got the Bible in the, it, it's in my truck in a box. Dad had a Bible on his nightstand. Huh? Well, could I use that Bible for the service? And now here's what I'm hoping. And they said, yes. And I said, are you all good with me sharing about Christ at this service? Yes. Do it. It was Sally's Bible from when she was a girl. And, and Chris brought it into me and it's got packing tape holding it together and it's got feathers stuck in it and boat ads and Ducks Unlimited stuff and all kinds of stuff stuck in this Bible. I said, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use this tomorrow, uh, tomorrow at 11. 5 a.m. I get up on Monday morning. I start, get my coffee. I sit down at my desk at the house and I start flipping through the Bible. Lord, give me something. Show me something that I can use that's gonna help me share with these folks that are hurting about Larry because I'm not sure he was saved. Well, this first slide that's going to come up is what I saw as I got to Romans chapter 10. Because I always check Romans 10. By the way, if you all write in your Bible, I'm going to suggest you write in Romans 10. Because if I'm going to do your service, I'd like to find this. (laughs) So I get to Romans 10 and it's dotted and underlined. And I went, well, look at that. This is what I saw. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confesses is made unto salvation for the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame and I was like well right on that's good who did that was it Sally or was it Larry and I sat there and went Lord and then I looked at the top of the page next slide Chris you need to read this LB Larry Butts and I went no way is that in this Bible thank you God and I, I'm like, you, you just keep showing off. And it gets better. I got to the back of the Bible and there was a half sheet of typing paper that said to my family, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelations 14, 6 and 7 is real. Love you, LB. And I went, no way is that in here. So I drove over to D Street, the graveyard there, and I got there on time uh, early, and I pulled Chris aside, and I said, buddy, come here for a second. got to show you this. And he's like going, what? I said, should I show your mom this now, or should I wait and just kind of hit her with it? He goes, wait, don't do it now. So I do the service. I get to, I get to do this service. And, and I'm, I said to this crowd that was there, I know y'all, I played football with Chris 35 years ago. Right? He was the starting nose guard. I was his backup. That tells you something about talent level. But the reality is this. We've known each other and ran, away, ran around with each other for a lot of years. And as you're looking at me and going, yeah, you don't know Larry. You haven't talked to Larry in all, all these years. You don't even know him. You're a pastor that comes out to do this. You're right. Let me show you what Larry said. And I read to them from his Bible. And I read to him, them all the note. And Darren Milionis is sitting in the front row. And he's looking at me going, no way. Is that in there? Do you believe that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him called according to his purpose? Because he does. And things don't always go the way that we think they should go. But God knows. See, here's what I know about Larry. He was sitting there reading that Bible and he came to a conclusion, Jesus Christ is Lord. And and he worshiped him. And that he had enough faith when all of his family did not know that he was saved, he wrote it down in the Bible for them to find. Sally, as I shared that at the service, stood up and basically goes, he never told me. I did 
shouldn't know this. But Larry, as he came to the right conclusions about Christ, had enough faith to write it down and trust God to get the message to them. The suddenness of death then brought about a great victory for God's glory in Larry's life because he went to go be with his Savior and then God orchestrated all things together for good. As he's up there, people are finding out he was saved. Do we have faith like that? I want to show you from Scripture a woman that had faith like that. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you as we're about to dive into your word that we can trust you with everything. It's all for you. It's always been all for you. May it be, Lord, as we're working these things out in our hearts and minds, whatever we're going through, the loss of a loved one, whatever it looks like with our job or family members, whatever it looks like that we're dealing with right now as individuals in this room, I'm praying, Father, that you meet us with your word as an example of this woman that trusts you as she's at your feet. Bless this time. Use it in Jesus' name. Amen. The question then becomes, as we believe that, will we look at examples and say, okay, that's what we're supposed to be about from God's word? Mary of Bethany gives you an example of a person who experienced the promises we see in Romans 8, 26 to 28. Her example of love for Jesus will serve as a testimony for believers today. It does. It still serves as a testimony for believers today. Will you turn to Luke chapter 10 with me? We're going to look at verse 38. Guys, it's really good to hear pages turning, phones clicking, fingers swiping. It says this, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She and her sister Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Now for the sake of time, because I'm gonna take you down a journey here and we don't wanna run out of time. We're not talking about Martha much here. Now Martha was the older sister, it's her home. But this is the first time we meet uh, Martha and Mary in, this, in, the, in the scriptures. Jesus has landed at their home for a meal. But he's teaching. And where's Mary? At his feet. She's counterculture. She knows what she's supposed to be doing according to the culture. And what she decided to do was be at her Savior's feet, her Messiah's feet, listening to whatever he had to say. That is an example for us today. One of the things we do not want to do is become exceedingly busy and great at what we do as we forsake our true calling from the Lord. We, we can find ourselves doing an awful lot and an awful lot that would be considered good, but forsaking time with him, listening at his feet. And he looks at Martha and he says, no, no, no. What Mary's doing is the right thing. Martha, I want it for you. You know that I don't care about how the meal comes out? Do you know that I don't care about how clean your house is? Do you know that I care about your heart and your mind? And 
what she's doing is the right thing, it's not going to be taken away from her. Martha, you're distracted by a lot of things. You're doing some good stuff. But actually, it's not what I want you to be about. She's doing the right thing. It's not going to be taken away from her. Mary's choice that evening gives you an example. Jesus said she gained something that will never be taken away from her. You can learn from how she was captivated by Jesus. We can learn by how she listened and how she learned. Do you know because trials are coming? Trials are coming. Some of us are in the midst of thick, hard trials right now. It's not a matter of if. Mary is doing the right thing listening to me because trials are coming. And she needs to know me deeply. And Martha, you need to know me deeply because soon something's coming for y'all that you're going to be at my feet again, Mary. When we love someone, we have the opportunity to spend time with them. Man, we should do it. We've got to listen to them. We've got to communicate with them. When she sat at his feet doing that right thing, the fact is she was preparing for the rest of her life. Right there. Every moment of her life. She was preparing. She, she may not have realized it that way, but that's what she was doing by listening to him at his feet right there. It's not going to be taken away from her, ever. Here's the thing. We don't have the time to put off listening to our Savior. Amen? Many of us, that, that can be something that we struggle with. We can become uh, efficient at leading a meaningless life. We, we can become efficient at living out a life that does not have meaning according to what God has called us to be about. And he's warning Martha, don't do that. And he's looking at all of us down the timeline as we look at an example of Mary and say, what was she about? We should be about that. The beauty of what Mary is doing here is as she has chosen the right thing, she gives her older sister an example too. In his book, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Life, Donald Whitney, great book by the way, Donald Whitney says this, I've read statistics showing that every household in the United States experiences a crisis of significant life change every six months on average. This includes events such as birth, death, injury, serious illness, job change, transfers, car accidents, financial reversal, and ch children leaving the home. Each of these situations may result in new opportunities to run to our Savior. As, as we think about that statement, turn with me to John chapter 11. See, when she was sitting at his feet listening and learning, and she was understanding him, that example to us then moves on. Now that we're going to do a little reading, do you know that one line of scripture is more valuable than all the books of philosophy throughout the entire world? I, I stole that quote. I don't know who originally said it, but if you ever say something to me I really like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you credit three times and then I'm going to forget you. <laughs> Here we go. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Stop for a second. Martha's the older sister. Did you see what John just did? He put Mary first. He's about to tell you why. Mary was the one who anointed the, feet, the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. 
So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Okay, well, he loved them, and so he heard he was sick, he went ahead and stayed two more days. It's, it's about a day and a half walk to get from where they were to what Jesus was. So when he tells the servants, this shall not end in death, by the time they get back, Lazarus is already dead, and because he waits two more days, Lazarus has been dead four days in the tomb. By the time he gets there, catch that. So when he heard that, he was sick. He, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going to go there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this and then told, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll get well. Jesus, Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go so too that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus was near Jerusalem. I'm sorry, Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Awesome conclusion, right? Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village and was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you catch that? In the, in the Christian standard version, they put an exclamation point there. They did not put an exclamation point after Martha's exact quote, but there's an exclamation point there. Let me tell you why. When Jesus was saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. 
Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Isn't that awesome? Again, for the sake of time, we're going to focus on Mary. Do you know why it has an exclamation point in the Christian Standard Version? Because where it says crying there or weeping, the word actually means wailing loudly. When Mary came to his feet and fell at his feet, she was wailing loudly. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Think about this. The servants went and told Jesus, the one you love is sick. And Jesus said, this shall not end in death. And they moved their way back to Mary and Martha. And when they get there, Mary and Martha say, what did Jesus say? He said, this shall not end in death. But Lazarus is already dead. How can you have it wrong? He died. Did he say he was coming? He didn't say anything about coming. He didn't say anything about coming. He, he just said, this shall not end in death. Now, for a couple days, he then waited, and then it took him over a day to get there. So for about three plus days, Mary and Martha are having a conversation. You see it come out in the text. If he had been here, this wouldn't have happened. You know, if Jesus had been with us, how could he get it wrong? He's the Messiah. How could he get it wrong? It's not what he said. He didn't say Lazarus wasn't going to die. He said this doesn't end in death. We all have to get that in 2023. This doesn't end in death. If you know Christ personally, you know that when you breathe your last breath, you're going to be absent from your body and present with the Lord. This doesn't end in death. But he's doing something and he's setting it up so that when he shows up, those two ladies that he does love is going to see how much he loves Lazarus. It wasn't about a lack of love that he didn't come right away. It's because he had a plan that he didn't come right away. Are we okay with that as human beings? That God has a plan and we get confused and hurting. Mary was wailing. She didn't say it quietly. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. That's how she said it. And he wasn't offended by that. He can handle our hurts. He wants us to come to him with our hurts. She's giving us an example again at his feet of what to do when you're hurting. It's not an issue of that he knows that you should just be a, a robot. No, you need to believe his word, but you're going to hit situations that you don't understand. And he wants you to come to his feet there too. And if you're at his feet learning... You'll go to his feet when you're hurting. John Phillips uh, has something to say. As, as this response from Mary gives Jesus within her intense trial of faith, it gives you an example. As she weeped deeply, grieved deeply, Jesus was then deeply moved as she grieved. We got to see that. And you can learn from this. I want to read to you something that Philip said about this incident. 
When Mary reached Jesus, she fell at his feet using the same words of her sister. She confessed her thoughts. Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. No doubt the two sisters had said this to each other. He goes on, as he was deeply moved. We have seen the sorrows of the sisters, but now we see the sorrows of Jesus. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, the word for weeping means to wail, all around him, Jesus could see that almost all the passionate, the expressions of grief, all of it was leaving them hopeless. He had come from a land where there is no sin, therefore no sorrow, where there's no tombs, no tears. His home was far away, a land of eternal bliss, a land of joy unspeakable and full of glory. He had been on this earth for 33 years, and he had seen many tears and helped many broken hearts. Gosh, I love that. Jesus has helped people with their tears and has healed many broken hearts. And we can learn how she communicated. It's what Jesus wants. It's what Jesus wants. If you're hurting, he wants you to come and get to his feet and bring it to him. God wants us to come to him as we are weary and heavy laden. His spirit-filled peace comes from the same spirit who groans on your behalf. The same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, he and you. So here, let's do this really quick. If you don't know Christ personally, if you're sitting here right now and you're wondering whether this is true like Larry did, if right now in this room there's a deep sense in you, I need the Savior, today is the day of salvation. Do you believe? Do you believe that when he hung on that cross, he says, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. He was talking about you. And I'm talking about right to you right now, you in this room, he said it for you. And then when he cried out, it is finished from the cross, he said it for you. All of your sins, past, present, future, all of them paid for in full. The just one died for you, the unjust one, so that you might come to the Father. Clean. Believe that. And right now, if you believe that in your heart, do you know what you are? Saved. Now, at the end of this service, you come forward and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord because you believed in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. You come up here when we come up to pray. We have people up here at the end of the service to pray with you. You come. Because this relationship, this love relationship, he's making you a promise. He'll work all things together for good. And right now, as you're feeling hurt and lonely and you don't know, he's saying, I want you to know I love you just like I love Lazarus, just like I love Mary, Martha, and the people in this room. Turn with me to John chapter 12 because Mary ends up at his feet again. John chapter 12, verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was. The one Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner to him there. Martha was serving. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair so that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. 
He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. She does something here that doesn't make any sense to the crowd in the room. But to her, as Jesus had met her, as she learned and listened to him and met her in her grief in one of the most serious trials she's ever been through in her life, she then realizes something about Jesus. You're everything. You're God. Everything I have is yours. All of history is for you. All of eternity is for you. And she was listening. And we can ask her when we get to heaven, but I'm convinced of this. She knew they were going to kill him when he went to Jerusalem. She knew it. Why? She was listening. She believed what he had said. She comes in with this, breaks it open and begins. Now, again, for the Jewish, some of you, you may already know this, but for some of us, we don't. A Jewish woman's hair was her glory. You do not let down your hair in public. It is scandalous. She's going counterculture again. He's about to wash his disciples' feet within a couple days. He's going to be at their feet, washing their feet, saying, you've got to serve one another this way. She's at his feet, breaking open something worth a year's of wages, and she's wiping his feet with her hair. She literally got so humble before him that she did something that the whole room would be going, what in the world are you doing? But Jesus knew because she knew. She believed it. You're going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill you. I don't understand everything going on, but you told us they're going to kill you. Everything I have is yours. That kind of emotion at his feet is coming out in worship. This is an example of who we're supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to approach this life. As she's learning and listening, she's getting it. So she, and then he meets her in a trial right when she's grieving and groaning and suffering, and then she's so moved by the fact that Lazarus is alive and he worked all things together for good that she's saying, they're going to kill you. I have to do this. Everything I have is yours. She came to worship him in front of all of them in a way that didn't, in the culture, it wasn't appropriate. trial brought that. The learning brought that. Being at his feet brought it all. Jesus has the power over life and death. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, if you don't believe that yet, Christian, brother, sister, if you don't believe that yet, if, you, if you're still struggling with that, this is how you get to that point where you actually believe it, is get to his feet and learn from him. Get to his feet and worship him. Understand that your trials, he's working things out. He loves you. All she is, is his. We can learn from the way she worshiped that savior, our savior. Coming to our senses over our worship of Christ pleases our father. And catch this, he will never say what took you so long. Please know that. Please know that. James chapter one says, ask for wisdom and God will give it to you generously. And he'll never rebuke you for coming. He's never going to say what took you so long. He's never going to say, oh, well, you know what? You're 40 and a half years old. Yeah, you timed out. No, you don't time out on this until you breathe your last breath. 
You can have a thief on the cross next to Jesus come into his senses, true? Because that thief believes scripture, by the way. He believes Psalm 22 that said, they pierced my hands and my feet. They cast lots for my clothing. All my, jo- my bones are out of joints. They wag their heads at me. They curse me. That thief next to Jesus, I believe, and we can ask him when we get there. If I was wrong, I'll own it. But we won't have a sin nature, so none of you will come after me for it. But that thief hanging next to Jesus says, you're the Messiah. Now figure that out unless he knew scripture. They're casting lots for your clothing. He's hanging there trying to breathe going, they're casting lots for his clothing. Check. All our bones are out of joint. Check. They pierced our hands and our feet. Check. They're wagging their heads at him. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you'll be with me in paradise. That kind of belief. Instant salvation for us today. Coming to our senses matters. He's never going to say what took you so long. He's always pleased with what his spirit produces. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now go back. It's on your notes. Go back. Here's that passage that Robert Morgan brought us. In the same way, this is Romans 8, 26 through 28. In the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe it? That's truth. I loved his sermon last week. By the way, his book, he has a book on Romans 8 called The Promise. God works all things together for good. Robert Morgan, if you can get that book, great book. We truly must be close to Christ to believe this. We've got to be at his feet learning and listening. We've got to be at his feet through the tough times. We've got to be at his feet worshiping. And as these things then unfold in our lives, because our timeline does unfold, and God does amazing things with a timeline when somebody yields to him. Many of you are praying for us as grandpa passed. Thank you. And then many of you are praying for us as Lori's uh, foster brother passed. Thank you. And you prayed for Lori's mom, who since 2019 has lost seven close family members. All of her sisters passed in the last four years. Her mother and her dad passed. And she found out, because she hadn't seen her brother for 10 years in this time, that her brother died. All of that. And then Brandon dies. Four years. And throw in COVID. It's been a hard four years for Lori Goddard. Thank you for praying. We did uh, Brandon's service uh, a week ago Saturday. The biological mom came in. It wasn't, it wasn't her fault in that sense that, that Brandon got removed. It was a boyfriend that had hurt him and caused his cerebral palsy by shaking him. But he ended up in foster care, and that's when Lori Goddard took him. But birth mom came in. And as she came in, I walked over to her, and I began to talk with her about this, and that I grieved with her, and... The rest of the family was there. The biological family was there. She said, Pastor Matt, do you know that I used to go to this youth group? What? Early 2000s. I, is, is, is Justin and Christina still here? Yeah, he's our senior pastor. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went, I went to this youth group in high school. And she goes, Pastor Ron dedicated Brandon as a baby. Right here. In 2005, in this auditorium, Brandon, before that boyfriend did what he did to him, was dedicated by Pastor Ron Schaefer right here. 
Now, I didn't know that during the slides for Salem Heights today, did you see there's a baby dedication coming? I went, well, there's some timing for you, God. Showing off again. God owned Brandon's timeline. God knew. He's worked it all out for good. Brandon's with our Savior. Now, I would, I, I mean, I literally went, okay, there you are again, God. <laughs> Just keep doing these things. As we get close to Christ at his feet, miracles will unfold around us. Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Seriously, you watch. But we got to be close listening and learning. We got to be close during the tough times. We got to run right to his feet, even with our groanings and sufferings and our complaints and all those things. And then we got to worship. And we got to come to a conclusion in our worship. Everything is his. Everything is his. This is all temporary and then we're with him. It's all about him. It always has been. I don't know how you're doing, how you came in today, but I pray that this message meets you where you're at. Because ultimately, as we come down in a few minutes, we're going to be down here with staff and, and pastors to pray with you. I'm going to challenge you again if you have not placed your faith in Christ and yet today you know today's the day. You come forward and you tell somebody because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God rose him from the dead, you are saved. We'll pray with you. But some of you are going through some really tough things in your life. Come down and get prayer. Please. Don't leave here. Or if you came with somebody, take some time with them in the foyer or here or wherever and pray, pray for each other. Because God is working these things out, but some of us are hurting in this room and some of us have been doubting that God's working it out, even though we love him, just like Mary did. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time and for the beauty of being able to come up here and share your word with these precious folks and anybody listening, anybody that will listen later. May it be as your spirit takes your word as we just went in and, and looked at a life that the pages of scripture illuminates for our example to, to tell us this pleases you for us to be at your feet. It changes everything. So I pray, Father, as we head out of here that you're glorified in everything we do and say because we get it. It's all for you. And as we're working things out that are hard, we get it. You're working it out. We love you and we're thankful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.